Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. I hope that this morning is an encouragement to you as we close out this Advent series. If you don't have your Bibles, there's one in, in the pew back in front of you, or it'll be on the screen. Isaiah 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a, what's the next word? Sign. That's the kind of the focus this morning. The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you. We look to you. Father, you are the divine creator, the sustainer of all things. And Father, you chose to accomplish that through a miraculous work with your Son. And Father, even though the Trinity is a mystery, it's hard for us to comprehend how you're one, but you're three separate parts, moving and working. It's something that is hard for our minds to comprehend, but Father, not for our hearts. Father, it's easy for us to just believe in it, because that's how you wired us. You made us in your image to the point that when, when we heard the Christmas story, we are inclined to just believe. And that's not by happenstance. That's by faith. And Father, thank you for wiring us that way. I pray this morning would be uh, no exception, Father. It would just be a message from your word that's received by your people. And if there is one, Father, under the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus as his personal Lord and Savior, I pray that this morning would be the day that they trust in him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. So what I think, find is interesting about this verse, it's Old Testament prophecy. A prophet, think about it, prophetic speaking for what's going to happen in the future. So I think a lot of folks, um, you know, that maybe have not um, devoted themselves to the Word of God, and, and we all, you know, are around them, whether they're being critical of the Word of God, critical of Jesus himself, and they struggle with believing, Right, uh, and I think that you know we we do it with our kids, right? We try to convince them that Santa is real. How many of you do the Santa thing, right? Okay, heathens, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not judging. Uh, we do it too. Listen, Santa will give you more candy if you smile for the picture. I mean, I'll, I'll use whatever I whatever I have. But the point is, is we do uh, whatever we can sometimes to create this image. And, and lead them to believe in something that either is or isn't, right? And I hope that, side note, I hope that you're framing the scriptures, and I hope that you're framing these stories for your children. They are sponges. They are soaking it all up. We bought this Advent reading book, and we haven't done it every night, but we've done it more nights uh, than we haven't. And it's just stories in the Bible that are portraying or leading up to Jesus' coming. And every night, we gather as a family, we pray, like I said, most nights. And we do the reading from Scripture, and it tells the story uh, pointing to the Advent. And this is a situation here in this text where we have a prophet. Someone that is saying something that has not happened hundreds of years prior, and it happens exactly the way he penned it. These writings were available. They knew that this was going to happen. That the Messiah would come. And it was prophesied. Think about that for a minute. Just muse on that. The fact that 
Jesus' coming was something that was planned way before it happened. It's not real. It didn't happen. Well, let's, let's pick another story uh, that maybe had a book that wrote something about it a thousand years before. Every detail. And then it actually happened and came to fruition. And every detail that was spoken of a thousand years prior came to pass in the future, which is now the present. Would you believe in it? Yeah. If, if I came up to you and I said, Hey, Brandon, next week um, on Thursday, a guy by the name of Bill, okay, he's going to come up to you and he's going to have a sign that says, Publisher's Clearinghouse. And he's going to say, hey, Brandon, do you know what this sign means? You want a million dollars! And that's all going to happen next Thursday, okay, at 10 a.m. Are you ready for it? Pray believing, friend. It's going to happen. I'm speaking that into existence, into your life. And if next Thursday rolls around, and Brandon's like, "Ah," you know, wiping the sleepies at 11 a.m., walking out on his front lawn, just kidding. Is it true? (laughs) His dad just threw him right under the bus. (laughs) So he's, he's walking out on the lawn, picking up the newspaper, because that's what we do these days. And he picks it up, and here's a guy and by the name of Bill, walks up to him, and he has a sign that says Publishers Clearing House at 11 a.m., and he says, you've won a million dollars. I mean, yeah, he would be excited about the money, right? But at, one, at some point, he's going to go, Pastor Matt just said all that was going to happen. That's kind of weird. The sign was there, the time was right, the person, the amount of money, it was all there. Do you think, and maybe he wouldn't come back and have a conversation with me, but do you think he'd come back and say, how did you do that? Well, it was prophetic. I just spoke it into existence and it happened. Why do you think he would be inclined to believe it? Because it happened. It's that simple. You know, and I think sometimes because we're 2,000 years removed from this situation, we get a little foggy. We get a little uh, maybe complacent with the text. But the Bible says that holy men of God were moved by the Holy Ghost and they wrote and spake the Word of God. Are you following me? Holy men of God were moved and they wrote down these words. So it's a moment in time. Isaiah 7.14, the prophet Isaiah spake as he was moved of the Lord, and he said, look at it, Isaiah 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Remember the publisher's clearinghouse? Right? A sign. Behold, here's the sign. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. We're not just talking about some crazy story or some amount of money or, man, that was crazy. There was so much coincidence there. No, the Word of God, a book written over 1,500 years, 66 books, over 40 authors that coincides, it doesn't contradict, 
It comes together. And, and in such a beautiful, massively woven, men that were illiterate, men that were literate, men that were learned, men that were unlearned, all painting a portrait. By, the Bible says God uses the, the dumb to confound the, the wise. And He puts it in perspective. And He says, is it not enough that I chose a nation? A nation that didn't exist. Did we look at the genealogy three weeks ago? Did we see what Jesus came from? And God looked at Abraham and he said, by faith, I'm going to call you out of your land and I'm going to call you to another land. One that I'm going to give you. Hey, Abraham, you don't believe it? Look up. Do you see every star in the sky? One day I'm going to use a bigger star, a brighter star to lead to the star, the one that is there to light the world, to save them from their sins. And I'm going to do it through your nation. I'm going to choose you, a chosen people. I'm going to set my affection on you. And it's not going to make sense. The law that was given was given to protect, was given by way of vehicle to bring Jesus to the earth. Redemption's history, the old covenant, the old testament with a nation to bring Jesus here. All of it was a sign. Galatians, Paul puts it this way. Paul, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, blameless, he said about himself in his own personal testimony. And Paul said, let me explain something to you. The law was a schoolmaster to lead us to Jesus. You see, you thought the law, the Ten Commandments, all those things that were the do's and don'ts of the Old Testament, it wasn't those things. It was those things telling you that you couldn't live that way. Those things were put over you, were put over our nation to show that we would fall over and over again so that it would be a sign that when one would come and fulfill it and actually do it and actually say, I love you and love you, set his affection on you and do everything that he said. I'm spitting everywhere, I'm sorry. And he would do everything that he said. We would know that it was true. So we take all these books... Genesis to Malachi, and we sum all of that up as a sign that points to Jesus? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then he writes the New Testament, which is the New Covenant, where he comes to us and he says, even if you're not a Jew, let me explain something to you. I came for you. I came for all people groups. I came not just for the Jew, but for the Gentile. And I'm going to use this thing called the church... To call these people out to evangelize every people group. I used the children of Israel, a nation, to bring about Jesus. And now I'm going to use the church to reach every people group in the world. And all nations then, every knee will bow. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Are we getting the full, complete picture? How many remember the comedian that said, here's your sign? Anybody? Bill Ingvall. It was like, uh, <laughs> one of them I remember, he's like, you know, I was, had my car pulled over, or, or no, 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 I was in a parking lot, and uh, <laughs> he said, I locked my keys in my car, and so I took a coat hanger, and I was trying to use a coat hanger down in the door to unlock, the, coat, unlock the, the door, you know, to get to the lever to pull so that the lock comes so I can get my keys, and a guy walked by and said, hey, did you lock your keys in your car? <laughs> He's like, no, I'm using the hanger to drive my car out. Here's your sign. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. It's like, wow, that was a really big dud. It wasn't my joke, so you don't have to laugh. It's cool. 
But the point is, is there are obvious things in the world. You know, the man was putting the coat hanger in the car, not to hang the car out to dry because it was wet, but because he locked his keys in his car. Right? Why isn't Jesus so obvious? What, what makes it to where it's hard to believe? You know, I think, you know, you, you drive down the road. How many of you obey the traffic laws? How many of you don't? I'm with you. <laughs> A stop sign is made to roll through, not to stop. That's what it means. Stop, roll through. That's what it means. It means stop. There's a red light there. And every woman, when it turns yellow, hits the brake. Every man hits the what? Gas. Gas. Come on. Yellow means faster. You know, green means go. Yellow means faster. Red means stop now. You know, e-brake. I don't know. However you explain it. But we can, we can come together and agree on what these signs mean, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to complicate this. I want to make this as simple as possible. We're all going to get out here, and we're going to go left, and we're going to go down to the stoplight. And whatever that stoplight says, if you don't want to tick it, you're going to what? Obey it. I see two signs here in the text. Look at Isaiah 7.14. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a, say it, a sign. Now, how many of you, when Jesus says, when, say the Father, when God the Father says, hey, I'm going to give you a sign tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up, and I'm going to give you a sign. How many of you would not be able to sleep the night before? God's going to tell me something in the morning. It's going to be so cool. Hang on one second. It's going to be amazing. I think tomorrow I'm going to have purpose. I think tomorrow God's going to give me the one thing that I've been missing this whole time. And it's going to happen tomorrow morning. We would get up with bells on, right? It would be like Christmas morning. I just can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be a sign. Let's not remove the, the element from the text that's there to allow us to understand if I had a sign, and I held it up, and it said, applause, okay? I should have done this, man. All right, so when I raise my right hand, everybody clap, okay? So right hand, that's this one. Okay, when I raise my right hand, everybody clap. When I raise my left hand, everybody stop, all right? You ready? <laughs> Come on, there's always one, right? All right, when I raise my right hand, everybody say amen. amen. All right, let's go back. When I raise my right hand, everybody clap. Ready? Hey! Man, hold on, wait. Thank you! It sounds really good. It sounds genuine. My hand's still up. Come on! Come on! You can do it! Man, good job. You can follow signs, right? You can follow a sign. You're trained that way. And God knew that. So let's look at the text. I think you get the point. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Are you ready to see it? Behold, a virgin shall conceive 
That's the first sign. The first sign is the, listen, look at it, the divine sign. To, di- to diminish the divine part of the birth of Christ is to take from the Holy Ghost and essentially the Godhead. I'm going to get real scriptural on you. I'm going, to, I'm going to feed you some really good texts, and I hope you write them down or come back to the podcast. And watch this, and I hope you follow the signs. I've, I've prepped you. I hope you understand that when the stop sign is there, you stop. When the stoplight goes green, you go. How many of you got that concept already from the message? Very simple. Now we're about to approach the stoplights in the Bible. We're about to approach the stop signs. We're about to approach the applause sign in Scripture, scripture to, to clap or to not clap. You got it? That's what we're reading. The Word of God is giving us a sign. It's telling you something. You don't have to wait till tomorrow morning to wake up and be happy about the sign that God's telling you because He's already given it to us. He's already planned it. It's ready to go. Here we go. And the Bible says that He's going to give you a sign. And behold, a virgin shall conceive. You know what? When God's trying to give you a sign, most of the time it starts with something impossible. I love that. It's a divine sign. How many of us miss the divine? How many of us pray? How many of us want God to speak life, new life, new wind, fresh wind into our life? And when that divine sign comes, we miss it. We blow right through the stop sign. Oh my goodness gracious. God is saying you wanted something divine. How do you think it happened? Well, fate. (laughs) Oh my. Okay, let's pick something that completely doesn't exist according to the word of God. And let's give all the credit to fate. Great job. Ready? Let's do that. That was really good. The devil fabricates things to take the signs that God gives you and put them in the hands of other people that didn't create the sign. Well, I believe in more of an enlightened path. Well, okay. Where's your sign? Well, see, this miracle happened over here. That wasn't his sign. That was God's sign. Do you see what happens? The devil is constantly, he's got a quiver full of signs. And he's running around. It's like the Wizard of Oz. He's got this crazy stage out here in your life. And he's trying to make it look like you're doing things and that he's doing things. And he can hardly keep up. And God's like, he's three steps behind me. I gave you a divine sign. And his name, her name was Mary and his name is Jesus. A virgin shall conceive. How many of us miss the most amazing signs that God gives us? Because we're not paying attention. I'm going to come up with spiritual tickets, and I'm giving everybody a spiritual ticket every time you ignore divine things that happen in your life. I'm going to be like, "Mm -mm, you ran right through that one, sister. Brother, you're just not seeing it. You're just not seeing it. But we do it all the time. Here's another way you don't see it. Because you're not reading the Bible. Because you're not praying. You're not fostering the relationship of where the sign started. Ah, the divine sign. Based, listen to this, church. Based on our being created image bearers of God, Satan has always tried and is continuing to try. Listen to this. This is for 2019. Satan has always tried and is continuing to try to break down our identity, which is working to break down the core of who we are, 
One such core that will always, when properly examined, lead us to the creator and sustainer. Yourself, the heavens declare the glory of God. You were created in his image. When properly examined in your heart, you'll see that you are one of God's chosen people. You'll be able to, through faith, accept Jesus in your heart when you open up your heart to him. But see, the devil is constantly trying to break down the identity bear. He's trying to look at you and say, you're not a child of God. You're not chosen. No miracle could happen through you. What's he doing? I mean, even down to the, the, the really the basic things. God chose to make you a boy, and you're choosing to be a woman. That is the devil's attack on identity. If you cannot identify as who God made you, that is an identity core issue that will lead to spiritual confusion. Guaranteed. I love those people. I'm here for those people. How am I here for them? With Scripture. To say God made you in His image. Exactly the way He wanted to make you. The devil's trying to break down identity. That's the first way the devil works against. Watch. The divine sign. Number two, here's the second sign. The Bible says there in verse 14, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son. It's the human sign. Has it ever blown your mind that God became flesh? Do you miss the amazing fact of that sign? I mean, I just want you to think about that. In the beginning, God created That word God is a Hebrew word, Elohim. It means God in a plural sense. Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit were good. They were living in eternity as God. They did not need us, but they chose to create us. And when we fell, in their redemptive plan, Jesus would be the one (laughs) to come to earth as a human I mean, I don't know how... It's, it's crazy to me. I have just immersed my thinking into this fact that God became man. Some of you need to just shut the music off, shut the TV off, and sit in a room by yourself for a little while and just think. If you were God, would you choose to be a man? If, if you, I mean, I think about it like Marvel comic books, right? Thinking about how these gods like went to these other countries and nations where they would lose their powers. Like, think about that. Like, this is some crazy stuff. God chose to put on human flesh. He reduced himself down to something he created. And he was God. John 3.16. Now think about it. For God so what? Loved. Stay with me, church. That is love. That is next level type love. And that was a sign. It's a sign to you that if our God in heaven will choose to take on a human role, He loves you. He is there for you. Every human being that is out there living as a human being on their own without Jesus, God... He's not willing that any should perish, 
but that all should come to repentance. He's up in heaven going, I gave you a what? A sign. Not only did it just not just be a God becoming a human, I used a miracle to bring him about to Bethlehem. Church, we can't take these things for granted. Baby Jesus being born in a manger was a sign for us that God Almighty was willing to go to the furthest extreme to save you and I. Have you thought about that this holiday season? Bear. The two signs. One would be the divine sign. The other would be the human sign. Jesus will embrace humanity to restore our identity. Let me ask you this question. What is the Christmas story all about, church? Hmm? Redemption. Christmas is simply, simply Christmas, a story, watch this, of identity restoration. That's really it. How do I teach this to my children? Teach them that who they are, the fabric of their being is found in that baby boy in that manger. It's a story of identity restoration. Listen to this text, or watch it on the screen, 2 Corinthians 5, 17-21. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. And all things of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by who? Church, are you hearing this? He's reconciled you to himself. He's brought you back. He's taken ownership of through Jesus Christ and hath given us to the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses, not not counting their sins against them is what it's saying, but hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Praise, Praise God. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God, for he hath made him to be sin. Oh my goodness, who knew no what? Sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The Holy Ghost was there for the conception of our Holy Holy Savior. And the Holy Ghost is there for you in your new birth. What is our closest connection to Bethlehem? What is our closest path where we can understand these signs? I'm going to give you a sign prophetically uh, hundreds of years before, and it's going to be a divine sign. She'll be a virgin. She'll never have known a man. And let me tell you, it's because the Holy Ghost of God came upon her and brought about the seed of David through her conceived of the Holy Ghost. And from there... The God of heaven will become a human. And Paul explains the whole reason is so that you are not dead in your sins, but so that you can be reconciled to God. Jesus, from the point of birth, grew in wisdom and in stature as a man. And and was tempted as we were tempted. Lived as we lived. Not one time did he sin. Do you think he wanted to? Yes. Because he put on human flesh. Those were the times that he felt tired. That he felt weary. That he went in prayer to the Father. And church, listen, he never sinned. He never fell. Because he knew what was at stake. 
Why did Joseph last week change his plans? Why didn't he go through with the divorce? Because he knew what was, ex- what was at stake. Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. The closest place for us to get to this story of Bethlehem is for us to realize that the same Holy Spirit of God that conceived Jesus in the womb of Mary is the same Holy Spirit that will save you and I. Amen. He will act on your faith. He will give you a new birth of salvation. What? what? Yeah, Jesus is to be the firstborn among many. Here's the theology behind Christmas. The theology is when we think about Christmas time and that, that Jesus being born there in the manger, we should be thinking about all of those that will trust Jesus as their Savior that will be born anew into God's family. Merry Christmas every day of the year when someone that is lost comes to know. That's why there is rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that repents. Why? It's like what? Christmas! It's the gift that keeps giving. Simply Christmas is reconciliation. It's Jesus being born as the first and now many are born. I trusted Jesus March 31st, 1999 was the day that I was born. That was my spiritual Christmas where I was reconciled from my sin. I put my faith and trust in Jesus. And according to God's Word, I was saved. The Holy Spirit conceived in me a new life in Christ. This is where the rubber meets the road. The sign was divine. The sign was, He was a human. He took my sins upon Himself, bore them, paid for them, and He's going to give me His righteousness? This is that 11 a.m. moment where I'm walking outside going, this is a million dollar check. Yes! This is how it happened spiritually. I was dead. I was without. I was going to hell. And Jesus came to me. And He said, I'm going to give you my righteousness. And it is the key that opens eternity for you for the rest of your life. Son, tell me a better gift. It doesn't exist. Hashtag change my mind. (laughs) The scriptural proof, listen to this. Ephesians 1, 12 through 14. That we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Listen, church in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also that ye have believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. That's scriptural proof. You got a new birth. Which is the earnest, or the down payment, of our inheritance under the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of His glory. What does all that mean? It means that Jesus was born by the Holy Ghost of God, And that we are identifying with his birth the most when we accept Jesus as our Savior. The Holy Ghost seals us as one of God's children. Jesus was born first so that we are made heirs together. Listen to this verse. I hope this is encouraging for you Christians this morning. 2 Corinthians 6.18 And will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Hey church, why did Jesus come? He came for, for you. Why was he born first? So that you could be born. Romans 9 tells us that all of those that believed in him beforehand were preordained to be glorified by the Heavenly Father. Why? Because they believed in Jesus. 
I just, I don't want you to miss the sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive. It was a miracle. Shall call his name Jesus. She bore a son. And he will save you from your sins. And Paul breaks it down incredibly. Those passages of Scripture are so clear that our Father, our Heavenly Father, now calls us sons and daughters. Because the birth was a birth of reconciliation to give you new life. If you're sitting here today and you're believing in yourself, if you're trusting in yourself to live a good life to go to heaven, if you believe that you can make your own sign and you can speak into the universe something into existence, then you're mistaken according to God's Word. I love each and every one of you that are here. I love many that don't believe what I'm saying right now. I love others that are believing other signs that I pray every day for them to see, for them to wake up. God, please open their eyes. But the point is this. Jesus wants to save you. He went through all of that so that you could be born. Have you missed that? Is there anyone in this room today that has missed the true meaning of Christmas? New birth. For your own heart. For your own soul. I don't want you to miss that today. There's a story. I'll end with this. I believe very good proof. and Maybe you haven't studied this, but You know, Jesus legally, we talked about it last week, was legally he was the son of Joseph, right? Coming from the Davidic king, the line of King David, Jesus was the line of the tribe of Judah. And that tribe is where the kings came in Israel. There's a place called the Tower of the Flock there in Bethlehem. Maybe you have heard this, maybe you haven't. But you can visit it today. It's, you can Google it and go and look and see the Tower of the Flock. Many believe that this tower is the place in, the very place in Bethlehem where Jesus was born. And the shepherds that work at the Tower of the Flock in Milgale, I believe is how you pronounce it, it is a special place right outside in Bethlehem. These fields that keep sheep that are made for the temple. Sacrificial lambs. The Tower of the Flock has priests, Levitical priests that understood what it took to birth birth a lamb that was made for sacrifice. That birth had to be a lamb that was spotless, that was kept perfect. If there were any spots, right, it would not be used as a sacrifice in the temple. So the Tower of the Flock, this wasn't portrayed like the pop culture, Mary and Joseph door to door, looking for a place because there was no room for them in the end, they were divinely led to a place owned by King David, still in the family, where those lambs were to be raised for temple sacrifices. Swaddling clothes, when you research it, were the clothes that were used to wrap this lamb. As soon as the lamb came out, I don't believe there were any other type of animals in this barn. I believe that when you look at the nativity scene, that's a cute story. But I believe that there were only lambs in this tower of the flock because that's what's being raised there even now. 
And these shepherds came watching by their flock by night because they were Levitical shepherds watching the lambs that were being prepared for temple sacrifice. And when Jesus was born, He was wrapped in swaddling clothes. Why? To prepare Him for the ultimate sacrifice for the world, for all mankind. There's a reason why there were swaddling clothes there to perfectly wrap that lamb, to preserve Him, to be ready for that temple sacrifice. Jesus was the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. That's why He was born in the tower of the flock. He was born so that we could be born. He was born to die. We are dead already in our trespasses and sin. And He's waiting for every sinner to receive new life and new birth. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ today, today is the day. If you haven't realized that He was born to die so that you could be born to live. If you've never realized that, I hope hope it's clear right now. I have just a simple invitation for you don't know Jesus, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I want to pray for you. No one's looking. Can you raise your hand and say, Pastor Matt, I've never put my faith and trust. I've never had a new birth in Jesus. Can you pray for me, Pastor Matt? I would like that. Can you pray for me? If that's you, I just want to pray for you. Raise your hand. I know most of you here. But if there's one and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, I won't embarrass you. No one's looking. I just want to pray for you. Just raise your hand. Pastor Matt, please pray for me. I don't believe I've ever been. I don't believe I've ever experienced that new birth. By our testimony, we've all trusted Christ as Savior. It doesn't surprise me. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Shifting gears. Is it still a sign to you? Is it still pointing away? Or have you not looked at the story the way it should be looked at? Maybe there's one in here that has new commitment for what Jesus did for them. What Christmas is really all about. If that's you, you say, Pastor Matt, I'm seeing it. Jesus came and was born to die so that I could live. And maybe I've taken that for granted. Pastor Matt, help me in my relationship. I'm a son and daughter of God because of what Jesus did. And I want to be a good son. And I want to be a good daughter. And I want to bring praise and glory to the Lord. If that's you today, raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Yeah. Amen. I'm just going to open it up. If you want to pray in your seat, you can. If you want to come down to the altar and pray, the altar is open. Sons and daughters. Mm-mm-mm.